All right. Welcome back to Formate Arbitration. And today we're going to get into holiday scheduling. And I've got the holiday scheduling expert here today, Mr. Jason Leith. Mr. JB. He's over here to my left in the studio. And uh, man, he's raring to go. He is so excited about getting into this episode. First off, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I love to read. I read a lot. Uh, if it's not arbitration cases, I just love to read. I love to read autobiographies. That's one of my favorite things to read. And so when you get an autobiography and you have a person that you're interested in, like Churchill, I'm reading about him right now. And you get the autobiography, what would you think if you're like, you know, this person's really interesting to me. I'm going to get this book. And I want to read about his life and see, you know, whatever else I can find out about Mr. Winston Churchill. So I get the book and I open up the book and it says, Mr. Churchill was born on this date. He went to school, he got married, he became a politician, and he died. What would you think if you had an autobiography and that was all it told you about Mr. Winston Churchill? You'd probably think that you got robbed, right? You didn't learn anything. That's how a lot of our case files have been. That's how a lot of case files come up to the formal step A. I get a letter of charges. I might get a request for information, put an I in there, and then that comes up to the formal step A. As the formal step A representative, what did you learn from that? Nothing. You learned that somebody got some discipline, but you didn't learn the story. You didn't learn the story of what happened. That's what this podcast is about. We're trying to make sure that when this case file leaves the informal step A, that you fully develop that case file. You fully develop that story. So that when the formal step A gets it, he knows exactly what's happened. It's documented well. We took all 14 days to make sure that we wrote the story that we wanted to tell. Uh, when we tell an arbitrator our story, when he opens up that case file, we want to be able to tell the arbitrator, look, this is my story. This is the story of Corey Walton and the discipline that he received. That's what this podcast is about. It's about making sure that we tell the story in its entirety, not bits and pieces. We've wasted our 14 days if that's all we do. We've wasted our, our 14 days if we send up a letter of warning and some investigative interview or some request for action. So make sure that we're building our case file. JB's fixing to get into a lot of stuff on holiday scheduling. He's got a lot to cover. A lot of things that you're going to ask for. Uh, when you talk about holiday scheduling, it's one of the more confusing things that you'll ever discuss and ever look up. Uh, when you read it, it's confusing. When you get into it, it's confusing. So for the new stewards that have reached out about holiday scheduling, and there's been quite a few, this one's for you, okay? Holiday scheduling. It's going to be detailed. It's going to be long, but pay attention. Take good notes on this because it's more than just who's mandated, who's forced in. There's a lot of different scenarios that JB's going to go over today on holiday scheduling, okay? He's going to tell you how to write your autobiography. He's going to tell you how to make your file, your issue statements, the things to put in there. This is your autobiography. Every case file that you ever do is your autobiography. It's your chance to tell your story. That's how our case files need to start being. When, start, when we send them up, 
That's how they need to be. It needs to be our story in its entirety, not just when I was born, where I went to school, who I married, and then I died. We've got to get away from that when we start building our case files. So listen to JB. He's got a lot to tell you. He loves doing this stuff. He loves this microphone. <laughs> so he's going to uh, he's going to get in-depth on holiday scheduling. So w- without uh, further ado, the man himself is here, Mr. Jason Leith. So Mr. Leith, it's all yours, baby. Enjoy. Well, all right, I'm back. And I don't know about the I love this microphone speech because... I am also like all of you out there. I am a faithful listener to this podcast, and it has been a great, great, great advice that I've been able to hear. You guys are getting to listen what I have fortunately been lucky enough to listen to for quite some time. I told y'all, uh, Corey introduced himself to me in the very beginning of this, and he has been monumental in my development to help me further develop my knowledge and to get better equipped at being a union representative. But I'm not an expert in anything. I have dealt with a lot of things. Holiday scheduling would be one of those topics. It's a confusing topic. I find that many of our brothers and sisters, no matter how long their tenure is, is still confused about how management arrives at their decision about scheduling. So I had told Corey I'd be more than happy to do an episode on this. We're getting a little bit more familiar with this microphone. I listened to an episode, two or three episodes back, and I I tuned in, getting ready to enjoy an episode, and I had to listen to about 15 minutes of a secret that I thought was never going to get disclosed. (laughs) But the more I listened to it, and the more I got to relive it, uh, I I couldn't stop laughing to the point uh, I had tears running down my face because I still can remember to this day I had told him I would do an episode on opting, and and I was excited. And, you know, you, you think of yourself as adequate at doing something. Uh, I don't think I'm a poetic speaker. I don't believe I have the gift of gab. But I do believe in trying to help. I really do. And I've always said if somebody's willing to speak, I am very up to listening and seeing if I can gain something out of it. And if I gain one piece of knowledge by the end of it that I didn't have at the start of it, then then I won. I'm now better than I was before. And so that's me trying to talk to anybody. When we do steward training, I have stewards that I believe that are just as smarter, smarter than I am. But I believe if we can all be on the same page and we can all expound our knowledge, then then we're just getting better as an overall group. And that's why I love what Corey's doing. And he has done this on his own he has taken this and uh, ran with it to try to help. And that's it. Corey's not going to be anything more than a letter carry and an arbitration advocate till the day he retires. But if he can help an individual get better, that's what he has always done. And I commend him for all his efforts through this and all the praise that he's been given is well-deserved. But that day I came over here. I sat down and I got my material out and he did his introduction and he turned the microphone over to me. And I stared at it, and I stared at it some more, (laughs) and I stared at it to the point I was hoping somebody would just start speaking for me. It it was the most awkward and uncomfortable thing I'd ever done, speaking to a lifeless audience or a a non-visible audience. 
but he has definitely kept me up up to beat as far as the responses and the, the the people that are listening and I can't thank you more again I'm not an expert at this but if I can help anybody learn something uh, through the course of this podcast through the course of this episode by the end of it that they didn't know prior then we have one and then we got more individuals getting more and more familiar with grievance handling representing our brothers and sisters so here we go he talked about the autobiography and holiday scheduling, holidays, as it pertains to what would be Article 11 of our national agreement. It's a contract case. Uh, unlike discipline, in contract cases, the burden of proof is on the union. So that autobiography has to speak to the question that we initially asked in the very beginning of any grievance, right? That's what a grievance is, essentially, is a question that starts off, did management violate? It's a question. And when the burden of proof is upon the union shoulders, then we need to be able to support our accusation with proof. We don't make accusations. That's management. We don't allege things, make allegations, assumptions, conjectures. That's management. What we do is we bring documented proof to support our issue statement, did management violate? And when we get to the end of our autobiography, the hopes is that we have done enough to support a yes to that answer. That is what case file building is. As a formal A representative, as a steward, I love case file building. I love digging in and trying to find everything I can to put in my file. Now, I don't want to get down uh, a rabbit trail too much, but Stewards, formal A reps, organization is critical. Be organized. Be professional. Take this seriously. When you're a steward and you're investigating any grievance, the moment you submit the first piece of paper, you are starting a file. You are building what potentially could go to arbitration. You're creating the moving record. So be organized. We want our story to be able to be easily told by each turn of the page. And it goes hand in hand with our contentions, our arguments. These documents, these reports support the things that we're contending against. So as a steward, when I start my grievance, I got folders. Get you some folders. When you start that and you put your request for information in, your request for steward time, and then essentially your request to meet, those three papers go in the file. The information that you're given, it goes in the file. These things all go in this file. That way, when you meet it informal, you can have an informal aid discussion and you got documented proof about what you're alleging that management violated and if you can't come to an agreement that you're passing on to your formal Step A representative, a ready file. For him to button up with his contentions and history and things that you may not be knowledgeable of, but you're giving him the groundwork. So be organized, okay? It's crucial. You want these things to be well documented, easily read. We don't want crumpled up pieces of paper. You want nice documents. Arbitration costs a lot of money, so when we get to that moment, we want a nice arbitration-ready case file to be able to be presented. Corey talks a lot about arguments, arbitrations, personal experience. I'm going to talk about Article 11 
and the contractual language that it goes with, but I would be a little remiss if we didn't go over potential grievance handling. And when we get to the grievance handling part, we're going to talk about information that we might want to request that might be beneficial to support our position. Now, this is not the ending point of an information request. This is a foundation information request. It's not uh, the only thing you might want. You might have case-specific things, and that's where your information request will end. But this is a good foundation to help you get started. I'll tell anybody this. I've said it before in a previous uh, episode, and I tell all the stewards, get knowledgeable about postal programs. You can know the JCAM from front to back, but if you don't know what's out there that you can request to support positions, you're not going to be successful, in my opinion, in supporting that burden, okay? Postal programs, their applications, this knowledge is out there for you to obtain and learn it. You will be so surprised. Your manager will be bug-eyed when you submit an information request asking for specific reports that is not something usual. When you're digging in and you know that there's a postal program that has a report in there that might be beneficial to you and you request that, wait till the bug eyes hit you. We got tax, DOIS, RIMS, DMS, ERMS. All these things may sound foreign to you right now, but there is information out there for you to be able to gain knowledge of it. Get that. It's a simple Google search, and I promise you, you'll start reading through there, and these programs aren't necessarily used to the detriment of the carrier, which oftentimes, sometimes they are, but they're there because that's what management has to use on a day-to-day basis, but we can gain our position out of it. You've got to learn what's out there. We're going to use their stuff to prove they violated our contractual bargain agreements. I can't emphasize that enough. Please, you will be so pleasantly surprised when you learn the things that we have readily available to us as a steward to be able to support our position and how easily and more easy grievance handling will become when you sit down with management. They can't run from documents. Stories usually have three sides, I say. You got management side, you got the union side or the grievance side, and then you got the right story, the truth. But when we got documents, that's truth. They may be able to manipulate some things, but some things we can tell when they did. But hey, when we lay a piece of paper down, it's hard to run away from that. So let's get out there and get into those postal programs and applications and learn what's in there for you and your benefit. Now we went down that little journey in my embarrassment. Hopefully today we'll be able to say more than we did in those 35 minutes of complete silence the first time I come over here because I stared at the wall, people, <laughs> wishing I could talk. And Corey come in here to check on me and he's not lying. I packed my briefcase up and said, I'm leaving. He said, where you're leaving? I said, I'm leaving. Uh, excuse me. Let me get by. <laughs> and I walked straight out my man's door and thought I was never coming back. But we sucked it up and we, we got over it. So at the end of the day, uh, helping somebody means more than my personal um, you know, fear or whatever it might be that day. But let's get into Article 11. Article 11, holidays, holiday scheduling, and how management must go about that. 
two ways people management can schedule a letter carrier. They can schedule a letter carrier underneath Article 8, or they can schedule a letter carrier underneath Article 11. That's the two ways an individual letter carrier can be scheduled on a given week. And as we get through, we're going to learn when they must schedule a letter carrier. But if the week does not entail a holiday, Article 8 is how they would go about scheduling a letter carrier. And that schedule should be posted by the close of business on Wednesday. And you say, where do you find close of business by Wednesday? How do you know? Because in Article 8, Section 4, where it talks about out-of-schedule premium, it talks about temporary or permanent changes in schedule must be notified by the close of business on Wednesday. So our schedules on a normal week should be posted by COB of Wednesday. A week that entails a holiday, a week that incorporates a holiday, that schedule must be posted by the Tuesday of the preceding week of the close of business. Now you say, well, what's close of business? Well, if I'm a letter carrier and I clock in at 7.30 and I leave every day at 4 o'clock, I work eight hours only, when I leave at 4 o'clock and management didn't post the holiday schedule by the close of business on Tuesday, well, they didn't catch me. So they missed my close of business on Tuesday. And we'll get into that throughout this episode. But that's the two ways management can schedule a letter carrier according to Article 8 and according to Article 11. Most of us know this part, <laughs> I assure you. What holidays are incorporated into our national agreement? What holidays are we getting off, right? But for the purpose of this episode and people listening, I want to go over them. We got New Year's Day. We got Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. We have President's Day. We have the upcoming Memorial Day. We have Independence Day, Labor Day, Columbus Day, Veterans Day, and Christmas Day. Those are the holidays that we celebrate and that are in accordance with Article 11 of our contractual bargain agreements. Now, CCAs also are incorporated to some of these holidays, not all, but some of them. And those holidays are, that CCAs are a part of, would be New Year's Day, the upcoming Memorial Day, Independence Day, Labor Day, Thanksgiving Day, and Christmas. Those are the holidays that are incorporated underneath Article 11. And if you want to know, again, we've already said it's in Article 11, but stewards, anything that you want to know, we go to the index of our JCAM. you flip to the back of that index, you look up holidays, and you'll see that it's going to direct you all through Article 11. So we're, we're deep into Article 11 now, so let's keep going. But how do we get paid for holidays? Who is holiday pay eligible? We're going to go over the steward training part of this, the contract knowledge, but then we're going to get into grievance handling. But who is eligible for holiday pay? Full-time regulars. Only full-time regular, full-time flexible, and part-time regular employees receive eight hours holiday pay. PTFs, part-time flexible employees, do not receive holiday pay. Okay? PTFs don't receive holiday pay because what's explained 
in our JCAM in Article 11.7, 11.7 there, part-time flexible employees are paid at a slightly higher rate, straight-time hourly rate. So that's what covers their holidays. So they do not receive holiday pay. Now our city carrier assistants, our CCAs, how are they paid? Well, in offices with 200 work year offices, they get eight hours of holiday pay. My installation qualifies for that. We have 200 work year or more. So the CCAs here in my installation receive eight hours of holiday pay on that holiday. All other offices of 200 work years or less receive six hours. Okay? That's what we can tell an individual if a CCA comes to us and I didn't get eight hours. Well, if you didn't qualify for the 200 work year offices or more, then that would be why, because they are only guaranteed the six hours. If you want to know if your installation, if your office qualifies for a 200 work year office or more, contact your MBA. They usually have a list of these offices that will help you be able to determine whether or not your CCA should be getting the eight hours or the six hours of holiday pay eligibility. Now, what guarantees me holiday pay? Well, holiday pay is for those that are in a pay status. Listen to this, people, because a lot of grievances come up about this. Must be in a pay status the last scheduled hour prior to the holiday or first scheduled hour after the holiday. Now, those key words right there, scheduled. So, the day before the holiday, the last day you were scheduled prior to the holiday, that last hour of the day, you must be in a pay status. And then after the holiday, the first scheduled day, that first hour after the holiday, you have to be in a pay status. And that's in accordance with Article 11.2 of the National Agreement. Now, that's also incorporated into the Employee Labor Manual. Now, since we're talking about grievance handling as well, I wanted to stop right here and talk about what are we going to do and if an employee approaches you and says, I did not receive my holiday leave pay. That's how it shows up on our employee earnings statements. If you still do the check stub that you receive in the mail, I, I do like the light blue application. When we go to grievance handling, it is so much more beneficial if we can get the individuals, our brothers and sisters, to go on to light blue, get their earning statements, that information for us. It's just more detailed. It, it's, it's just more presentable. Because on our check stubs, if an individual took 16 hours of leave and they also got the holiday leave, it's just going to show up 24 hours with an L in the block. It's not going to identify that it was 16 hours and 8 hours of holiday leave. Holiday leave in tax shows up as 058. That's the hour codes when we're pulling tax, employee everything reports, clock rings. That's our official time and attendance records. It will indicate 058. That's what's going to show that we were supposed to receive or did receive our holiday leave. But when we talk about grievance handling and your approach and an individual says they did not receive their holiday leave pay, we're going to want to file a grievance on that. We want to get these individuals paid. If an individual, a lot of times what happens, 
in my installation is an individual calls out sick the day before the holiday or the day after the holiday and management arbitrarily puts them in for LWOP and then we have to go about grieving the two things. One, they didn't get what they requested and two, they didn't receive their holiday pay because of it. Again, a foundation of information that you might want to request to help you be successful when you meet with management to get these individuals their holiday leave pay, I would definitely again have the employees earning statements from light blue. That's going to show us that they didn't, number one, potentially get what they requested. Two, they did not get their holiday leave pay. We're going to want the tax EER, employee everything report, covering the dates in question the last scheduled day prior, and the first scheduled day after. We're going to want those individual clock rings. Now, this is something that, as a steward, I feel like we're supposed to be on the forefront to help our brothers and sisters. Not necessarily police our brothers and sisters, but to be there to help them to be more successful in the future, uh, make them aware of their obligations to do things, and explain why. Explain to the individual, when it comes to 3971s, and there's probably not going to be a steward listening that doesn't get frustrated with employees, when they return to duty, not filling out their own personal 3971. Not that computer-generated garbage that management walks around and says, hey, sign this, and they put a signature on there without even reading it, and probably just signed off that they wanted LWAP. No. Have your brothers and sisters fill out their own 3971. They sure don't mind doing it in, in advance for annual leave, but it is our responsibility when we return from an unexpected absence to fill out our 3971. And that way, whether it's just sick leave, annual leave in lieu of sick leave, emergency annual leave, sick leave dependent care, sick leave FMLA, whatever it is that they requested through the ERMS, that they're putting down and documenting it on their own. And they have that supervisor sign it received. Get a duplicate copy. That's going to be good for your grievance if they did not receive what they requested. Have them write an individual statement. If this individual is approaching me and saying, I didn't receive my holiday leave and they did give me LWAP, I want this individual to be involved in their grievance. I want them to see me on the forefront of their fight and I want them to know that I'm gonna get their grievance handled so help me help you let's work this together and on the other side of it it'll help bring you closer together and they'll see that this individual goes to bat for people there's an ERMS report I talked in the deems desirable about the the two two six one zero five one five F zero ERMS has reports that is to our benefit. Again, go out there. You could do a simple Google search right now. If you pull over, wherever you're at, sitting at a desk, type up NALC ERMS manual. And you'll see an ERMS labor relations user guide, manual, information. In that, you'll see, I think it's figure 17. And I'll see if Jeremy McCall can put this up, matter of fact, as an example of what you're looking for. But it is the ERMS 410F0 report. That's the leave management leave summary tab. Now you might be asking, why do I need this? And you might not, but to me, I want to get a hold of everything that I can show that they did something arbitrarily. 
and this report is the leave summary tab. It will show exactly what the employee called out for requesting. And then when management denies it, it will show it in red. It'll show the time it did it. It'll show who did it. And then it'll show what they put me in for. So let's say on a Friday, before the adjusted holiday of Saturday and Monday on fixed days, I call out requesting eight hours of sick leave. I come back on Tuesday morning. I fill out my 3971, but I get my paycheck and I don't see my information. And we request this report. And they went in on Friday and went ahead and denied my request and put me in for eight hours of LWAP. Well, to me, you didn't even give me an opportunity to come back in on Tuesday and present you with my leave slip, maybe a personal statement, covering my absence. You arbitrarily decided this in advance without any consideration to any uh, given facts or circumstances. So it just goes with our contentions. It goes with our proof that you're doing things prior, and so this will help us. Again, this is just a foundation of going about trying to satisfy a grievance for holiday pay when an employee was not in a pay status the last hour or the first hour prior uh, afterwards. Again, that's section article 11.2, but it's also in the employer labor manual. That's section 434.421, and it states the following in duplicate. To receive holiday leave pay, the employee must be in a pay status either the last scheduled hour before or the first scheduled hour after the holiday or designated holiday. So this information right here, along with your statement from the grievant, could potentially help you be successful in a grievance going forward addressing management not paying this individual. We already know that management, anytime they get an opportunity to harm us through loss of pay, that's a pretty common grievance. They sure don't mind doing that. They feel like it encourages somebody the next holiday to not get sick. You know, I, I stay out of the, the business of, well, this individual, I don't, I don't get into all that. I just represent the contract for what it is. And as long as I represent the four corners of our national agreement, I can rest my head at night. Management can do what they're supposed to do on their own time. But this person didn't receive their holiday pay. I'm going to try to help them get it. What is the intent of Article 11? What is its purpose when we have a normal schedule underneath Article 8, and then we have scheduling underneath Article 11. We have a upcoming holiday of Memorial Day. And in my installation, we have fixed days off. So we have a holiday that's upcoming in May. Holiday is going to be on a Monday. So the adjusted holiday is going to be on Saturday. So when management goes to scheduling letter carriers to work on the Saturday before Memorial Day, what is the intent that they must follow up underneath Article 11? If you'll go to Article 11, Section 6, you will see that it's very simple. The intent of Article 11.6 is to permit, that means to allow, the maximum number of full-time regular, full-time flexible, and part-time regular employees to be off on the holiday. That's what the intent of Article 11 is. It's not to completely, overwhelmingly cover everything, forcing everybody to work on that designated holiday. 
It's those that individuals that do not wish to work on their adjusted holiday or scheduled day off to be given that latitude to allow as many people off as possible to enjoy an extended break. Now, this is where you're going to see a lot of stewards, maybe even Formal A reps, but I already know I work in a pretty senior station, but I still have carriers that have been there for a long time that do not understand why they're being scheduled on an adjusted holiday. They think a lot of different things. They think, well, I'm not on the overtime desired list, so why are they making me come in? And that's also what I want to avoid here is when it goes to filing a grievance on an adjusted holiday, that's not an Article 8 grievance. We can't be filing an Article 8 grievance because they brought in a non-ODL on their scheduled day off because it's an adjusted holiday. It's underneath the scheduling of Article 11. And the overtime desired list does not come into play for the first eight hours. What we have to understand is our pecking order. That is what Article 11 and adjusted holidays are all about. You've got to find a way that it's easy for you to remember the pecking order. It can get confusing. Now, the pecking order is incorporated through our LMOUs as well. Now, if you're LMOU and that's your local, if you're not understanding what that is, you have the local memorandum of understanding for your associate office or your installation. You have local agreements, and sometimes these local agreements incorporate a pecking order. But absent that, you would go by the bare provisions in Article 11.6. Now, my local has a pecking order, but it is in conjunction with, it mimics the same language that's in 11.6. So I can go by both. If you're not familiar with what a local is, contact your branch president, contact your MBA's office, ask them for a copy of your local memorandum that way you will have it and you'll be able to tell whether it does or does not have a pecking order and that way you'll know how management was supposed to go about scheduling carriers so that's incorporated anything that's incorporated into our local is incorporated into our national agreement via article 30. i want to go over the pecking order and i know sometimes contract language people out there it can be a snoozer but don't lose me okay let's go over this Maybe it'll be a way for you to understand it better. But let's go over the pecking order, the bare provisions that's uh, in a Article 11.6 of our national agreement. This is how management schedules the carriers, okay? It's not according to Article 8. Does not matter what the overtime desired list says. It's did management follow this pecking order and did management permit the maximum number of employees off? That's what we're trying to evidence. That's what we want our store to be able to tell if there was a said violation. The first thing management has to do, the first employee that management must schedule is all part-time flexible employees. That's all, again, people, part-time flexible PTF employees to the maximum extent. When I hear that word maximum extent, I'm thinking that means up to at least 10 hours. I want to see these employees to the maximum extent. I want the maximum number brought in, the maximum extent of hours. They're the supplemental workforce, even at the payment of overtime. The second person 
Okay, and for example purposes, again, Memorial Day upcoming, that's a Monday. And my installation, the Saturday preceding, is going to be the, the adjusted holiday. And that's the only day we're talking about right now is the Saturday. How management is scheduling carriers to work on that Saturday. The second bullet point there is all full-time regular, full-time flexible, and part-time regular employees who possess the necessary skills and who have volunteered to work on their holiday or their designated holiday by seniority. That's the Monday people. That's people with Monday scheduled days off. That's their adjusted holiday, the Saturday, but Monday. That's where it's going to start with your volunteers, and it's going to start by seniority. That means if the senior Monday guy volunteers, he better be on that schedule. Then down to the next one, down to the next one. My station, we have a volunteer list on the time clock. We used to not have one. I encourage management to put one up. Two reasons. One, I want to know what the employee volunteered to do because management wasn't even asking a lot of employees and I had some that wanted to volunteer. But two, I know if it becomes a matter of grievance, I'm going to have a picture of that volunteer list or a copy of it somewhere and so it's going to benefit me. But it's good business. And that's what all this is about. And as soon as you get management to realize this is just business and making sure things are running in accordance. So the very first person that signs that volunteer list, Monday, those people would be scheduled by seniority. Third, city carrier assistants, CCAs. They come after the Monday volunteers. Then we keep going. All full-time regular, full-time flexible, part-time regular employees who possess the necessary skills and who have volunteered again, we're still on volunteers, to work on their non-scheduled day by seniority. That's Saturday. So we're, we're kind of going backwards. Remember this in your head, people. Start with the holiday. Monday's my holiday. I'm going to start with it. Let's say Thanksgiving. I'm going to start with the volunteers from Thursday. Then I'm going to go to Wednesday volunteers, okay? But for Memorial Day, we got Monday, those volunteers. We got the CCAs. And then we got the Saturday volunteers by seniority. So what do we do then? Management realizes we didn't get enough volunteers. The PTFs, the CCAs aren't going to cover it. What do they do and what do they almost always do? They go to forcing. They start forcing individuals in. This is where they sometimes get in a lot of trouble. They get in two troubles, really, in my installation. One, they'll bypass somebody because they didn't want that volunteer in there because they think he's too slow to carry a mail and they don't want to pay him, so they're going to try to bypass him. <laughs> On the other side, they don't go by the force and they, they let an individual off and skip to the next one because he's more beneficial. Well, that wasn't right. But anyhow, they go to force and employees. So now we got to turn right back around. That's the easiest way I could ever make somebody understand is start with the volunteers Monday, volunteers Saturday, those are by seniority, and then you just turn right back around and go through Saturday back into Monday. So we're going to take the full-time regular, full-time flexible, part-time regular employees who possess the necessary skills and have not volunteered. That means they are now being forced on what would otherwise be their non-scheduled day by inverse seniority. That means juniority. 
I have a Saturday off. I am the junior Saturday person in my station. So I know when it goes to forcing, my butt's the first one in the door. And then they got to go to the next junior. And then the next. And they go all the way through Saturday. And if they didn't get enough employees through the forcing of the Saturday employees, those employees with the scheduled day off, then the last bullet point you'll see is the full-time regular, full-time flexible, part-time regular employees who possess those skills who have also not volunteered, meaning they're being forced on what would otherwise be their holiday or designated holiday by inverse seniority. That would mean the junior Monday person, the next, the next, up to the senior Monday person. That is the only way management can schedule employees on an adjusted holiday for the holiday schedule. Okay, it doesn't mean anything about the overtime desired list. We're going to talk a little bit about Article 8 in a second, but when it comes to a violation of how employees were scheduled for the first eight hours on the adjusted holiday, it's a violation of Article 11, not Article 8. They must follow the pecking order. Okay, when we talk about grievance handling in there in a minute, we'll talk about ways to be able to find out if they followed the pecking order, information that you're going to want that could be beneficial to help you determine that, to kind of simplify it to some extent. But that's the pecking order the best way I know how. That's the best way I know how to explain it to an individual. I have people walk up to me and I say, start with the holiday, Monday. Volunteers from Monday, volunteers from Saturday. Turn right back around, they got to force Saturday and then force Monday. That's the only way and the best way I've ever found to explain it for me and myself. We talked earlier about the schedule. Management is required. That's directly out of Article 11. Again, management is required to post that holiday work schedule by the Tuesday preceding the service week in which the holiday falls. We talked about the ODL and the work assignment only list at the overtime desired list. That work assignment list are not considered when scheduling holidays. Hours worked on a holiday is not considered overtime. Okay? It's holiday worked pay or holiday scheduling premium. If you do quarterly overtime grievances, those hours worked on an adjusted holiday, they don't count towards equitability. Only the hours after eight. Everything that happens in that first eight hours is considered holiday. Only Article 8 kicks in after the eight hours. That's the only hours that's contractually considered to be overtime on a holiday slash designated holiday is those hours beyond eight. So when it talks about Article 8, and we're talking about the non-overtime desired list and how it encompasses with holiday work, if you'll look right there on page 813 of our JCAM, this is going to give us some light and it's going to talk about Arbitrator Mittenthal's decision. And Arbitrator Mittenthal held, and this is in C number 06775, that a regular employee who volunteers to work on a holiday or designated holiday has only volunteered to work eight hours. That's what is in that first eight hours. So if I have an individual that's volunteered and normally they wouldn't be on there on that day, they have only volunteered to work that eight hours. And once they get to that eight hours, Article 8 is going to kick in. 
So you got to get familiar with Article 8 and Article 11 as far as it pertains to the holiday. The first eight hours, everything about that is going to fall up underneath Article 11. After eight hours, Article 8 is going to kick in, and those rules are going to apply. Okay, A regular volunteer cannot work beyond the eight hours without supervision first exhausting the ODL. And any requirement of overtime after eight hours, management must follow the letter carrier paragraph. So if that volunteer comes in and he says, I'm going to need an additional hour to complete my assignment, that first eight hours is covered under Article 11, but once we get to that eighth hour, management must then go by the provisions of the letter carrier paragraph and provide auxiliary assistance to that individual. So what are some of the remedies we're going to talk about here in a second? And these remedies, they directly come from M document in the JCAM in Article 11. That's going to be M document 00859. These are the remedies for the following situations. Let's say not posted properly. The holiday schedule wasn't posted properly. It wasn't by the close of business on Tuesday of the preceding service week. That's what the contract tells management they have to do. If they don't do that, the carriers are due a remedy. And that remedy comes straight from that M document. If that holiday schedule is not posted by Tuesday prior, the correct pay rate for a full-time employee is an additional 50%. So those employees... Like I said, my installation Saturday for this upcoming Memorial Day will be the adjusted holiday. If they schedule those individuals by the pecking order on that Saturday, but they failed to post it by the close of business Tuesday, those individuals are due an additional 50%. It's going to be holiday premium. Okay, It won't be holiday pay anymore. Holiday pay is for the Monday people. It will show as 057 in tax. But it should be showing 048 holiday premium. That's going to be the additional 50% premium for them failing to post the schedule timely. The next is for when the schedule is not, uh, not scheduled properly. These are the employees that were not scheduled properly in accordance with the pecking order. Okay? That's if the full-time employee is improperly scheduled, uh, the proper remedy is an additional premium of 50%. That means if they followed the pecking order, and when they got to Forsen, they took the volunteers, and then when it came to Forsen, they skipped an individual and then went to the next person that did not wish to volunteer, but forced him to work. So he works, a timely grievance is filed, and we're able to show that management didn't follow the pecking order because they bypassed the junior person. Remember, when it goes to force and you start by junior, that would have been like me in my station. I'm the junior Saturday. If they skipped me and went to the next individual and forced him to work, he is due an additional 50% premium. Then we have those individuals that were not worked properly. The M document gives us the proper remedy for that when an individual is not worked properly. That management will compensate the city carrier who should have worked but was not permitted to. These are your volunteers. If you have a Monday volunteer 
and it goes by seniority. Remember, it starts with the one with the individual necessary skills who has volunteered by seniority. So if my Monday senior person in my station volunteers and management's like, man, we never would have thought he would want to work anyway. <laughs> he is slow as Christmas. We do not want this guy in here jacking up our holiday, asking for 10 hours. You know, he'll never get done. We'll end up having to send him help. We do, we're just going to bypass him. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to just let him. We're not going to acknowledge his volunteer status and just go to the next person. Well, they've harmed that guy. And the proper remedy should be to compensate him for the hours he would have worked. They can only go by the pecking order. That's how they schedule. So if they bypass a volunteer and go to the next one, they have harmed that individual and violated his contractual rights in accordance with the pecking order to volunteer to work. And so we're going to file a grievance and we're going to show management this M document in our grievance file when we go and ask a requested remedy, and this is why we're requesting this remedy, is because the parties have incorporated this remedy in the JCAM. So that'll go hand in hand with your informal aid discussion. I hope this isn't confusing anybody. I hope this is unconfusing what I consider a very confusing topic. Try to find a way that simplifies it best for you. Try to find something that just helps you. I That's the best way... I know to help me you know I don't want to sit here and reiterate but to me it, it just starts with the holiday itself goes to the day prior the adjusted holiday turns right back around and goes through the adjusted holiday back to the holiday it starts and it starts and stops with the holiday and that's the best way I can help individuals understand why they're being scheduled but again you need to inform your employees and especially especially your city carrier assistants who are freshly converted. I probably deal with more AWOL charges for city carrier assistants who have just converted when they approach their very first holiday who have now jumped ship off the list. Most of my city carrier assistants are, are getting astronomical hours right now. They're just working, you know, they're working their butts off. And so when they finally do convert, they want a break majority of them the first thing they do is where is that sign up sheet that you talk about i don't have to work more than eight hours or at least uh, a desire not to work more than eight hours and they sign that odl sign up sheet that they do not prefer overtime and they cruise right into their first holiday and it's usually not one with a saturday of course or you know a monday holiday but we get to a veterans day or, or thanksgiving or independence day something that could fall within the week a wednesday thursday and they don't understand Article 11, and, and you know management's not going to talk to them about it. So what do they do? They think, well, I'm not on the list. I'm not supposed to work anyway, and they don't show up. They no call, no show. You know, here comes management running with the holiday schedule that it was posted timely. They didn't go look at it. They were, well, I mean, at some point in time, we owe some kind of recognition to our new employees to help them. You know, that's always my discussion with management is what have you done to help them prior to just issuing an AWOL or holding them accountable to AWOL. But those individuals, you might want to educate. You know, this is to help them. You know, what they do after the education portion is, is that employee's decision. But prior to that, that's what we want to do. We want to be an ambassador for the letter carrier on the forefront. 
you know, lead by example, lead with integrity, but help these people that have just freshly converted, that they've made it through that uh, initial stage of their career, and now they're full-time regulars with us, and this is what goes in accordance with scheduling. You'll see those individuals suffer more from the repercussions of not being knowledgeable about the two ways that management goes about scheduling employees because they're so stuck in Article 8 being scheduled that way week after week after week and it didn't matter if it was a holiday or not they were working and then all of a sudden they make regular they're not very knowledgeable about going about with article 11 in the pecking order well i went from 35 minutes of silence my first episode and and i didn't even make it through my first episode i walked straight out the door and had to come back and we're cruising along again if somebody's willing to listen i'm willing to speak i hope this is helping Uh, people out there get knowledgeable again I cannot emphasize enough please start getting in digging into postal applications postal reports and programs that they used learn how they could be beneficial to you I have dug and dug and dug through there just trying to find the individual things that I could use to support my grievances no matter the topic and you will find it extremely beneficial so we've talked about contract knowledge but i think it would be a disservice i would consider it a disservice if we didn't talk a little bit about grievance handling again i told y'all in the beginning i wanted to talk about grievance handling Um, you can know all the knowledge in the world but if you don't know how to get there to support that question did management violate it's not going to be very beneficial the further we go down the road so i didn't really drum up a couple scenarios, but going off the remedies of the JCAM about, you know, not properly posted, not properly worked, uh, improperly worked, those things, what could we request? Now, a lot of y'all out there may have already dealt with this. Again, this is a foundation information request. This is things to get you started, and you can expound upon these. If you know things out there that you've discovered, you know, feel free to to respond to Corey and let him know. I, I'll take all the advice and help I could ever get. You know, my advice and my learning, it, it, it's every day. Every day I'm learning something new or trying to, but this is a foundation for what I think would be beneficial to those. So, The first thing we talked about was the holiday schedule not uh, posted properly. So individual comes to you, says, hey, they just now notified me. It's Thursday that I got to flip and work this Saturday. You know, that's crap. I'm going to be here, but weren't they supposed to let me know by the close of business Tuesday? Yeah, they sure were. Well, I would like something done about that. Okay, well, let me get started on that. So that's what this grievance is about. That's what this information request is about. It's about if the holiday schedule is not posted by Tuesday prior, the correct pay rate for a full-time employee is an additional 50%. Now, I want you to go ahead and be thinking right now, what information would I be wanting? Okay, always be thinking, what am I going to need to support my grievance? What's going to help me? meet that requisite burden of proof to show a violation occurred. The first thing I'm going to request when I get my information request out, and let me pause. Corey's talked to y'all about discipline, request for information. We just want to see what they used, right? We don't want to give them any tips. In my opinion, I, I completely agree with him. I want to just see what they relied upon. 
I'm going to document what they relied upon. And then if I need additional things, I'm going to come with it. But I just want to know what they relied upon. That's discipline. When it comes to contract, I'm going to request whatever I want as long as it's relevant to the investigation of a grievance that I'm investigating. So don't be timid. Don't be scared to be like, man, I don't want to present my supervisor with this. He's going to shit. Well, let him shit. Okay? Don't be timid. Once we hit the workroom floor and we're investigating a grievance, turn that hat back around backwards. Get that bulldog mentality. We're going to get what we need. And we're going to request it through them. And if they don't give it to us, he's explained how to go about that. But we're going to request what we need. This first one to me is not that long, but again, if you have additional things that you want, great. This is a foundation. That's what it is. A foundation is the starting point. The end game is what you need it to be. So I'm going to request first the holiday schedule. I can't tell you how many times, especially in my installation, I have 16 stations. Individuals move around from station to station, and I'm not just throwing management under the bus but very inadequate at their at their professions in my installation. I'm just being honest. There's there's a couple good ones. There's a few good ones out there, but for the most part, it is exact what you would consider an individual that's just trying to fly under the radar and and grab a paycheck. That's my opinion. But I asked for the holiday schedule because I can't tell you how many times I've received it and it was round dated incorrectly. It was round dated with the Wednesday or the Thursday, not the Tuesday. And I've had some of them so proud on Wednesday, like I'm not going to get a grievance and they stamped the hell out of it. It had 10 round dates all around this holiday schedule, but it was Wednesday. And I said, well, you definitely identified it was up there by Wednesday. Well, that's when it's supposed to be. I'm sorry, that's not. It's by the close of business Tuesday. So as for that holiday schedule. Let's see what it says. Let's see when it was posted and if they round dated it. Of course, we're going to want the tax. That's the time and attendance collection system. We want the employee everything report, the tax EERs. The employee everything report for each grievance. Okay, and we're looking to see if those individuals were paid 048 holiday scheduling premium. They're due an additional 50%. That's the remedy right out of the JCAM. So that's going to be documents that go in our file. And when I say file, we got a folder started, right? We've started a folder with our information request, our steward time. You know, if we've already put in a request to meet by the 14th day, that's in our file. We have now created the moving documents, the moving record. And we want all these things to go together. That autobiography, we don't want it to be boring. We don't want it to be minimal. We want it to be documented proof. And we want to excel when we build a case file. I would recommend you interview or get a statement from the employee's schedule wasn't posted. How many times have you left on a Tuesday, last one to leave, one of the last ones to leave, and that schedule wasn't posted, but guess what's sitting there Wednesday morning? Well, I put it up right before I left. Well, the whole station was gone. What benefit did that do to anybody that worked on Tuesday to go ahead and make plans if they were going to be scheduled. It didn't do anybody any good. You waited, allegedly, till everybody left and then posted it and want to say, well, I did it. So I'm going to interview every letter carrier in my station. Did you see the holiday schedule when you clocked out on Tuesday? Or a statement. 
one of the two. This will go in our case file. People want you to help them, they need to help you. I understand statements, interviews sometimes are resistance, but the more they see you helping them, the more apt down the road they'll be to get involved. And it might not be them today, but it might be their ass tomorrow. So they're going to want to be there when management is done wrong. And so try to get interviews and statements from the employee that when everyone left or when they left on Tuesday, that that schedule was not posted. Uh, the grievance earning statements from Light Blue. Again, I encourage Light Blue. It's just a better form of document. It's more detail oriented. It's more beneficial when it comes to grievance records versus the check stub. So I would recommend this as a foundation of information and interviews that you would want to obtain by being able to establish that the schedule was not posted properly. Again, a foundation, it's not the ending point. That ending point is up to you, but I would believe this would get you started. If you're in a station where you have somewhat of decent rapport with management, this type of grievance, I believe, can be uh, headed off before the actual adjusted holiday gets there. Give management the opportunity to make it right before the necessary filing of a grievance, before we get into administrative cost and steward time and stuff of that nature. I've definitely apprised management many a times, hey, you fulfilled your obligation here. These individuals have brought it to my attention. The contractual remedy is that they're due an additional 50%. You know, can we just go ahead and make that right without having to file a grievance? They'll complain, moan, a little bit, whatever. They may say, I already knew. So-and-so didn't do what they were supposed to, like I told. Whatever the reason they come up with, but they went ahead and did it. Doesn't mean I'm not going to check it. I trust that they're going to do what they say, but I don't believe it and trust it fully until I see it. So they can tell me they're going to do something, but all of them know I'm going to check it. And I promise you I do. I'm going to come right behind them. I need to see the documents where you put in their scheduling premium if they receive this additional 50%. They understand it's just business. I understand things get lost in the wayside. You make a verbal agreement, oh, we'll do this. But I'm not going to trust that. I'm going to verify it. And then when I believe it, I can move on. If they don't do what they said, and once tax is closed, I know I have to file a grievance, okay? So anyhow, that might be something that you could head off, but it's something that you're going to want to verify. Let's talk about the other two scenarios that we talked about the remedy for earlier. They were from the not scheduled properly and not worked properly. Okay, remember the remedy for an individual not scheduled properly was the full-time employee that is improperly scheduled, that that proper remedy is an additional premium of 50%. That was for the individual that was not scheduled properly. Then the appropriate remedy for the person that was not worked properly, that management will compensate the city carrier who should have worked but was not permitted to. That's the guy that's super slow that volunteered to work on Monday and they don't want him in here and they'll do anything but work him as a volunteer so they skip him. Well, they have violated his contractual rights and so we're going to now have to make that wrong right through the filing of a grievance. This is some information that I have found beneficial in the past and I start by requesting the holiday volunteer sign-up sheet. Not all stations may have a volunteer sign-up sheet. 
Management may say, well, I went around requesting volunteers. Well, I'm going to request time on the clock to ask that individual this. Remember this, people. If management says they have something or they did something, say I want it. It's real simple. If they tell me I got, well, I did that. I wrote it down. We'll go get it. I can't tell you how many times they said, well, that's the new policy. We'll grab it. They look at you with that same shocked look like he didn't believe me. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Like he didn't fall for the banana in the tailpipe. You know, they just look at you like, damn. But anytime management says I have something or I did something or I, I documented this, go get it. Or I can go, I can put in a request for it. It doesn't matter to me. But if they don't do a volunteer sign-up sheet and they say, well, I asked the individuals that they volunteered, ask time to speak with them. But if they do uh, a volunteer sign-up sheet, request it. We're going to want the holiday schedule. That's going to be the blueprint that we're going to go by to see if management followed the pecking order. If I have a volunteer sign-up sheet that says, the slow guy on Monday volunteered, and his name is notated under the volunteer column, but he was not on my schedule. Well, I got documented proof. I got he volunteered. I got a schedule. They didn't schedule him. But I'm not going to stop there. Okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to need a seniority roster. You say, well, why do you need a seniority roster? Because if I have a pecking order that goes by seniority and juniority, I'm going to want the seniority roster. What I always do is I take my seniority roster and I lay it down and I'll use Memorial Day again. I'll go through there and highlight everybody in my station that has a scheduled day off of Monday. That's my Monday people. And I'll write it down on a piece of paper. It starts with the slow guy that we've talked about. Then number two, three, or I guess, you know, however you want to number it, but it's by seniority. So the senior, the next, the next, the next. And then I'll take a highlighter and highlight my Saturday people with a different color. And then on that separate piece of paper, I'll write it down by senior, the next, the next, the next. So when I start looking at the pecking order, if there was somebody that was improperly scheduled, meaning when they went to forcing that they jumped somebody that somebody should have had the day off, but they jumped somebody to the next one, well, that's a violation of the pecking order. And that's going to help me. That's going to go on my case file. It's going to tell a story. I'm going to have my volunteer sign-up sheet. I'm going to have my holiday schedule. Then I'm going to have my seniority roster that backs what I'm telling them. He's the senior guy, and it says so right here. I'm going to want to see the vacation calendar. I can't tell you how many times management said, well, we, he was off on Saturday. We got him on the vacation calendar right here, so we couldn't schedule him. Okay, well, that looks good. But I want to see an overlay of what was in, going on as far as the whole holiday was concerned. But just because he's on that holiday schedule... I'm going to need to see all the 3971 leave slips for employees requesting leave that covered the holiday period. Because I've caught them time and time again taking a pencil and writing somebody's name in on Saturday that they couldn't schedule in because he was off, but there's no 3971 connecting it. So these things are going to go in our file to support our position. The vacation calendar is going to show that we, we didn't even have the maximum number of the complement. 
Okay, there was even a compliment available to where they could allow an additional person off if they wanted to. And then, in a minute, when we talk about them overly staffing the place, not allowing or permitting the maximum number of employees off who did not wish to work, that's going to be an argument too. But we want to see a complete overview of the holiday. I'm going to ask for the employee clock rings. That's almost always. I mean, right? It's like almost every contract grievance, we're going to want tax. The time and attendance records are official timekeeping records of that day or time period that we're needing. But I'm going to want them for all the carriers and all the CCAs who worked on that day in question or time period. I'm going to interview or get a statement from the grievance who should or should not have worked. If the individual that wanted to work was improperly bypassed, the slow guy, I want to get with that individual. I love sitting down a brother or sister that has come to me on the side, whether it's discipline, whether it's contract, and said, you know, would you file a grievance? Would you investigate this for me? I love getting all my information, getting my file, looking all pristine and nice. You know, I got it sitting there, paper clip, notes, everything, and I sit them down. And I love to see the, the smile on their face, the look on their face when they're like, wow, you know, JB's really going to bat for me. I mean, look what all he's done. He's got some documentation. I'm showing him the seniority roster, the schedule, who worked, who should have worked. I show them these things not because I need to, because I want them to feel appreciated. I want them to know that JB will stand on a supervisor's toes for them. And I want you to know that they'll know that about you. So do that with those individuals. Get them excited about your representation. They'll, they'll, it'll definitely get them more involved with you. It'll gain their trust and respect. And that's what we want out of this, to become knowledgeable, to represent our brothers and sisters, to gain our brothers and sisters' respect, and to be in solidarity. We're never going to be 100% there. But I believe that we can get more there. I'm going to want an updated overtime sign-up sheet. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with those first eight hours, remember? But since I'm submitting this information request and I'm getting the clock rings, I might as well go ahead and see if there were some Article 8 violations that occurred after the eight hours. But these two things right here, this is just a foundation, people, okay? It, you might have more case-specific, but I believe that if I had the sign-up sheet, the schedule, the seniority roster, and an interview, the clock rings, and I had the person that should have worked, that wasn't permitted to work, I believe we've built a strong foundation to our grievance that we're going to be successful and we're going to get Mr. Slogow compensated for the hours he should have worked. For the person that was bypassed, the individual that was should have been off, was in, made to work, like in my case, they skipped me but made the next guy work instead of me. Well, the guy they made work, he was harmed. They should have made me work first. And so if I have a volunteer sign-up sheet that shows he didn't volunteer, but then there's a holiday schedule where I'm not on it, but yet he is, and there's a seniority roster that shows he's more senior than I am, that I was junior, that I should have been scheduled first, there's a vacation calendar that doesn't show my name on it, there's not a 3971 lease slip to show that I was going to be off that day, my clock rings show that I was sitting at home, I don't have any time entered. 
and then we get an interview or statement from the individual that was forced to work that he didn't sign up, that he was scheduled improperly, that he wants his additional 50%, we have built a solid foundation for our grievance file. And that's what this is about. To me, this is everything. Corey is a monumental advocate, but he will be the first one to tell you, and I firmly believe that I can speak for him right here. Grievances, cases are won and lost at formal step A. I'm going to repeat that, okay? Cases are won or lost at formal step A because we are the ones that are fully making a written statement of facts and contentions with supporting documents. We are the moving party that seals that record after the formal A meeting. Those documents are set in motion. Nothing can be added or taken away from this file as it moves forward to the B team and potential arbitration. So we have to make sure that we have fully supported our burden and met that burden, supported our position, I mean, with documented proof. It, it's crucial. It's what we want to be able to tell our story. And when we do, and I can't tell you how many times we've gotten into arbitration and you just want that case file. My case files are not perfect. There's never a case file that Corey's got into mind that he didn't come back and say at some point, next time, don't overlook this argument or this maybe you want to uh, address. And I take that criticism because it's constructive. That's what I want. But this case will be won or lost at, at formal step A. There's not an advocate listening right now that says they, they enjoy opening up a case file and seeing a generic grievance starter with no supporting documentation versus a case file that they open with exhibits, page numbers, table of contents, reports, everything that go. I mean, just burying management. Oh, it's a dream case. It's 50-50 still, I'll say all day long, but I'm feeling real damn good about my 50. So that's what you want when you get in there. You want to be able to tell your story and make that moving document from Formal A overwhelming. I thought of another scenario that really is probably one of the most uh, over, overly abused grievances as far as holiday scheduling in my installation, and it just simply is management overly staffing you know um management on a saturday i got some business stations in my installation you know they they can easily pivot three four routes a saturday and still maintain a successful day but all of a sudden that holiday comes up and they got a, a rider for every horse in that in that station well that's not what article 11 is about article 11 is about allowing the maximum number of employees off that they can even if they have to maximize the supplement workforce. So if that's a problem in your station where uh, on a normal given day that you can pivot one, two routes, and then all of a sudden the holiday schedule is posted and you see every route covered, even an additional employee on the auxiliary route, and you got somebody saying, I didn't want to work. Well, let's investigate that and let's see if that individual could have been afforded that opportunity to stay home. We've been very successful with this grievance here in my installation just because management wants to overly staff. And while I know some of the other individuals might appreciate that because at the end of the day, everybody wants to go home. Unfortunately, Article 11 
gives that right to that person that did not want to work, that management must have allowed the maximum number of people off. And additionally, some things that they need to do. Here's some information that I recommend. We're going to get the holiday volunteer sign-up sheet again. That's going to be in my case file. My case file is going to have the holiday schedule. I'm going to want to see the seniority roster. That's going to be able to tell who should have been off and, if I'm successful, who should not have worked. How many people could have worked versus how many they forced to work. I'm also going to want that holiday schedule. Here's what my installation is historically known for. CCAs. CCAs are scheduled, do y'all remember? Right after the individuals with the necessary skills who have volunteered to work what would be considered their holiday or designated holiday. Then CCAs are scheduled. I can't tell you how many times management posts the holiday schedule on close of business Tuesday. The CCAs are scheduled on an assignment. Then we get to the actual, let's say Saturday, before Memorial Day, and the CCAs have been sent to another station. Well, I'm going to raise 10 kinds of hell because you forced individuals in this station to be forced to come into work on the back of the city carrier assistance being scheduled, saying, well, we followed the pecking order, we took the volunteers from Monday, then we scheduled the CCAs, then we had to get into forcing, but then you sent the CCAs somewhere else. And while they may be hired to my installation, Article 11 says, and the pecking order says, that they will be scheduled by the close of business Tuesday, meaning here. I'm going to make that argument. I'm going to move that grievance forward. I'm of the opinion that's a violation. I'm also the recipient of many decisions that said management violated the pecking order. So I'm going to make that argument. I won't, hey, if the CCAs are supposed to be scheduled as far as that pecking order and then they're sent off, and you forced a brother or sister of mine, a full-time regular that should have been allowed that intent, I'm going to file that grievance form. Similar things, the vacation calendar. I'm going to want the 3971 leave slips. Again, requesting the time off covering that holiday. The tax ERs for all the carriers and CCAs who worked on that day in question or time period. The updated overtime sign-up sheet. I want to see that for possible Article 8 violations. I'm also going to want to see that overtime's not involved with Article 11 in the first eight hours, but I want to see how many people were on the list, how they, how, what the hours were divvied up, how many hours they worked that day, I guess I would say. I want to see the 3997. That's the daily schedule for that day. I want to see how management broke down and ran the station. Now, my counterpart is notorious for this, and I laugh every time I see the argument because after every contract grievance and we get to the formal A-step meeting, he he says the union is Monday morning quarterbacking, challenging management's decisions. No shit. (laughs) I've never understood the Monday morning quarterback. When else was I supposed to investigate this grievance? I have to wait and see if the violation actually occurs, and then I request information to see if a violation actually occurred, and yet I'm getting Monday morning quarterback. Yeah, uh, I just had to throw that in there. I laugh every time I see it. I've never, never understood that. But this is what I like to request right here. 
the previous four to six weeks daily schedule for that same day because this is what you're going to see you're going to see the previous four Saturdays where they pivoted two, three routes and they were just fine. They went into the day pivoting two, three routes. They went into the day not having people working on their SDO. And then we get to the holiday and we got full coverage forcing everybody. We got a person on the auxiliary route. And then when you investigate those clock rings, you're going to see things like this. You're going to see individuals not even working eight hours. I've even seen CCAs not working eight hours. I've seen individuals not even going into overtime status up to 10. I'm going to make those arguments. I'm going to break that down on a grid and show management. As a matter of fact, I think Jeremy McCall posted a template of mine on the website that you could look. And again, it's just, it's a, a basic template I made for a holiday grievance and it goes right here with this I believe there's a PowerPoint we created that we put on there that went hand-in-hand hand with this episode with these information requests the M document the sites that are directly out of article 11 Jeremy McCall has done a phenomenal job with that website and again this is all about help if somebody's willing to gain knowledge I want to help them gain as much as I can this is what I desire to do. I'm going to be a formal A rep. I'm going to be an arbitration advocate when they called on to me. And I'm going to help somebody when they ask me to. I'm going to carry my route on the other days. That's all I'm going to do. So I love being able to give somebody some help. And Jeremy's done a phenomenal job. I am a little better than Corey. I'm a lot better than Corey with a computer. But I am better than Corey with a computer. But I am far less uh, as good as Mr. McCall is. He does a great job. That's awesome. But you'll see in that template, I make that argument that, hey, we had 12 hours before carriers would have even hit eight hours. And then we had, you know, 20-something hours before the CCAs and the ODL would have even hit 10. And then we had these, you know, penalty time. You're going to be maybe a little hard-pressed to convince an arbitrator that they should have paid penalty to allow somebody to stay home. But I'm going to document it nevertheless. But we had these things to show that management did not let the maximum number of employees who did not wish to work off okay and so while we appreciate management overly staffing the place for those that you know are there on anyways that's not what our brothers and sisters rights are guys i didn't say nothing my first trip out here for 35 minutes and somehow now uh, i've said something for about an hour and 20 something i just enjoy helping um, it's an awkward environment. It's different. You know, it's good to see faces, paying attention, looking at you, have visuals and stuff. So this is different. Jeremy's done great with being able to give some visuals to employees to go along to get that knowledge. You know, again, people fight the good fight. This is what it's all about. Tell your story. That's your case file. Be proud of it. Document these things. Build your position get knowledgeable about those programs. I know you're sick and tired of hearing me say it, but please do. Um, but this is a subject that's kind of a snoozer, so forgive me. I hope it wasn't terribly boring, but it's definitely a subject a lot of people are confused about. And so if this can help, and this would help be able to get into not only steward training and uh, educating our brothers and sisters, but also grievance handling, then that is awesome. You know, training and learning to me is everything. We just got back 
from our regional training. We haven't had a regional training in two years. It felt so good to be back in the house with so many of my fellow brothers and sisters. I sound kind of corny saying this, but I absolutely love sitting in a room with some three, 400 like-minded individuals. To me, I just love the feeling of being around uh, everybody. I love training, learning, uh, seeing people from the other three states in my region that I haven't got to see. My MBA's office is second to none when it comes to training. They did a phenomenal job getting back, new venue, new location, uh, new facilitators. Um, but we had a wonderful time, and it, it was, to me, the best one I've been to. So congrats to them for pulling such a phenomenal training off. They did a wonderful job. Very intelligent individuals. They do uh, amazing works for the letter carriers here in my region. They are definitely ambassadors for them, so couldn't be prouder to be involved with those. But that's all I have, people. It's been a blast. I don't know what my next topic will be. If I'll get invited back, uh, as long as he's willing, I, I'll, I'll be able. So fight the good fight, people. Thanks for everything. And again, uh, all the feedback, all the praise in the world goes to my brother Corey. I can't tell you what he does. For me and for other individuals, he simply does have a heart to help. And at the end of the day, that's all this is, is he is an ass kicker. I mean, there, there's not a bigger ass kicker in arbitration. Uh, I love uh, on arbitration day. We get so excited. We look like two kids sometimes, but we take it very serious. But I love that moment before we walk in the room and we know we're fixing to put on a show. And we're fixing to put on a show because... We've outworked management at every step of this grievance process up until arbitration, and I know I got the one that's going to succeed. So be successful at informal, outwork management at formal. Our DRT member will appreciate it, and he'll be able to outwork management with a properly presented case file, and then your advocate's going to go in there and kick ass, and at the end of the day, hopefully we're successful. People, be safe out there. Thanks for everything. Hope this was beneficial. Thanks. All right, well, there you have it, Mr. Jason Leith, the the expert on holiday scheduling. That's how you do an episode, see? You come in here, you rearrange the furniture, man, and you just get down on you get down on a dead gum episode on holiday scheduling. Uh, I told y'all it's very complex. Very detailed, but man, he laid it out. You cannot go anywhere in the country and get anything any better than that. That's as good as you're going to get it. It's your autobiography, man. Tell your story. Uh, make sure that your file is complete. When you get into arbitration, especially on something like this here, tell your story. That's all this is. So remember, from aidarbitration.com, go to that. And, and I believe Jeremy has everything that JB talked about today will be on there. All the documents that he used, everything that he talked about will be on there uh, from aidarbitration.com. Also remember uh, from Aid Arbitration Facebook page, Miss Lindsay's doing a great job with that. She puts a lot of things up for you there. Don't forget about those things. Next week, I don't know what I'm going to do, but we'll figure something out. I got a list a mile long of things that uh, we're going to get into, so I'll pick something out. But, uh, JB, I appreciate you, man, coming in here and doing that. A lot of requests on holiday scheduling, a lot of them. So uh, nobody better to do it than him. Y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. 
and I'll talk to you next Sunday. All right?